Hi, and welcome to Beyond Cancer, Episode 4, Exercise and Cancer. This is Michael Buller, and in this episode, I talk with lifelong exerciser, pancreatic cancer survivor, and certified personal trainer, John Barrett, as well as Dana-Farber exercise physiologist, Nancy Campbell. Thanks, guys, for coming in to talk to us today. You're welcome. Good to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. I love talking about exercise. I've, I've exercised my whole life, and I know, John, you have as well, and I imagine you have as well, Nancy. Correct. We're going to talk about the importance of exercise and how that manifests itself before, during, after cancer treatment. But I wanted to start first, if we could, and just get a little backstory from you, John, about how you were diagnosed, how you got here, and a little bit about your, your life as an exercise person. That's a lot, <laughs> but, but I'll try to narrow it down. So um, how I got here uh, in 2012, October 2012, um, I felt something wrong. I had got jaundiced, and I had a couple uh, fever spikes a week before that, and some folks I was with said, you really look, you might go check that out. So I did. I went to a hospital, had it checked out, and uh, there was a preliminary diagnosis of something's going on. And eventually they diagnosed it uh, clearly in November. And then in December, the first week of December, I went in for uh, my, it was diagnosed as a, as a, a type of pancreatic cancer, a bile duct cancer which was rare, and I thought, great, it's rare. <laughs> and um, so I went and had the operation that first week in December, and then following that for six months, uh, starting in January, I had uh, uh, chemo infusions once a week here at Dana-Farber, followed by five weeks of uh, chemo and uh, radiation. So my treatment was over by the end of June. And uh, I was always into exercise, and, and during that process, it was, I think it was uh, March, end of March or April, I set an appointment with Nancy, because uh, I did have enough sense, thanks to my wife, that says, John, don't jump into exercise <laughs> yet. You know, right. at least talk to someone who knows the risks. So Nancy was very, very helpful and really kept me from hurting myself <laughs> to, to, a, to a great degree. I've always exercised. It was uh, a coping mechanism for me. I played a lot of basketball and I ran a lot. Uh, I've completed the Boston Marathon four times. I've uh, trekked to the base camp at Mount Everest at age 61 with my wife. So you, you met Nancy through, through a, a class, an exercise class that, that she teaches? No, actually, I came over when I came over and she advised me about what to do. And then uh, a year later, I uh, went through a three-month program in Boston, which Nancy's familiar with, and became a personal trainer. Uh, I wanted to focus on cancer survivors. Because this is audio and people don't have the benefit of seeing a video engaging how old you are, and that's somewhat relevant here. It is somewhat relevant. Uh, I'm uh, 72. Okay. I was 69 when I went through the operation. Okay. And so you became a certified personal trainer. Correct. At the Correct. very young age of. <laughs> yes, I was, as you might suspect, the senior in the class. <laughs> but they were all very supportive. When you say a lifelong of fitness, you, you know. You, you, you've, had, you've had the experience uh, more so than somebody who says that when they're 25. Um, yes, yes. But I think the big thing for me, and maybe, and this is what we try to communicate to folks we talk with, 
is that exercise is a, a really needs to be a lifestyle, not an event. Meaning, do you walk, do you take the stairs at work, or do you take the elevator? Right. How far do you park your car from the, et cetera, et cetera? Do you look for opportunities to walk? And I think that's the biggest change I've gone through, is really becoming more active every day of my life. That's great. So Nancy, um, I wanted to get to you and hear a little bit about your story and, and how you work with, um, with patients here at Dana-Farber and how you got to your role as an exercise physiologist. Okay. So I actually did both my undergrad and my master's in exercise phys. Uh, I was actually right down the street at Northeastern for grad school and then got a job out of school across the street at Beth Israel and worked there for a couple of years in their wellness center. And actually during my time there, I designed um, and implemented a weight loss program for breast cancer survivors and started to realize that I really enjoyed this population and I wanted to sort of devote my job to this. And it was just a natural fit to look across the street out the window at Dana-Farber and, and make the jump. I heard about a job opening with Dr. Ligabel doing um, a strength training study and I sent in my resume and, and came on over and I've been here for 10 years. So it's, it's been fantastic. The job has sort of evolved over the years from a very research-based job. And then about eight years ago, I started a exercise class for female cancer survivors. So any, any stage, any diagnosis. And we do a mixture of cardio and strength training together twice a week. And then I also started working in the survivorship clinic, and that's how I met John. We, um, he came to see me for an exercise consult, and those consults are great because I can see any patient, any diagnosis, any time period, and help them put together an exercise program. That's awesome, and maybe you haven't hiked Mount Everest. Or, or, no, or, no, <laughs> sadly, but, no marathons, but, but, no, some half But I imagine there, but, there's an exercise story to, you know, a thread yeah, that runs through your life. Yeah, exercise has always, always been a big part of my life. I was on the crew team in college, and then being a personal trainer, you know, for the last 15 years has always, exercise has always been a big part of my life. Mm. And like John said, for him, you know, it's also a big stress reliever, coping mechanism mm. um, for me. And, and similarly for me, and I know I've shared with you guys, I mean, I've, I've run pretty much my whole life. I, I remember mm -hmm. running a, a race at eight at, at camp. Oh, I think no. it was eight, maybe wow. nine. Maybe it's not a memory. <laughs> maybe I've just invented that. But um, uh, but uh, but I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll cling, uh, cling to that memory. But uh, but what was really interesting was what you were saying, John, and, and and maybe Nancy, you can talk about this when you have those consults. Is I think for a long time, exercise has always been an, an event for me. Right. It's always been I'm going to go yeah. for a run, I'm going to go play a sport, and it's a discrete activity. And it was something that, that was important for me too um, when I was going through chemo was um, trying to work it into your every, everyday part of your life. So do you see that a lot when you're doing consults with people coming through um, and when you're, when you're counseling them about how to stay, stay active? Definitely. So, I mean, certainly the people who, like you, had it as an event in their life um, and a consistent part of their life, now, you know, it's having to maybe tweak it a little bit if they used to run, maybe now you know, we're walking or, you know, on a recumbent bicycle or something like that, but trying to kind of keep that event. And for people who it's never been a part of their life, they've never been an exerciser, and now they're quite, 
maybe fatigued from chemotherapy or radiation. It's just trying to get them to move more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, every hour, maybe it's setting, you know, an alarm on your phone or, you know, on your computer to just remind you to, to get up and move or be, you know, proactive. If you need to go to the bathroom, if you're in a two-story house, can you go to the one that's upstairs? Can you, you know, go to the mailbox and back? But trying to just keep movement in your life throughout the day to try to, because we all know how easy it is to kind of be on the couch and then one hour turns into three hours turns into and those days all accumulate and we're losing muscle mass and it gets a lot harder then to do something like a walk so then people will go and try to do a 20-minute walk and then be exhausted right. for days mm -hmm. so trying to find that balance <clears throat> yeah and, and one of the things that, that I found that that was hard for me was um, being able to set smaller goals than I used mm -hmm. to have. It's so easy to time yourself, right, when, if, you're, if you're a runner or, or, yeah. to, or to set these goals. So the expectation was always, well, I should, I should be able to run this pace. And it was, it was hard to recognize that I didn't need those lofty goals. Just going for a walk, going to the bus stop was sufficient. It took me, took me a while to realize that. I don't know if you, if you had any trouble adjusting your goals? Um, I, I did, and, and it's, uh, you bring up a really uh, an important issue that I do point out with, with folks, is that you know, when, once you have cancer, you have to look at yourself differently. And you have to establish a new goal. You know, you can, looking back is not what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. Looking forward and becoming a different, approaching it differently, like you just described, is the ideal place to be. And that's when you can reframe what exercise is for you. It's a variety of activity, not just one event. And I've had to do that too. You know, yeah. I can't look back at, I, I don't run long distances anymore. You know, I, I'm fortunate to get through three miles three or four times a week yeah. and feel good. You know? uh, so I have to adjust and accept myself <laughs> yeah. for who I am, which is probably the biggest adjustment I've made uh, with cancer, you know, it, it's the, the challenge of exercise and cancer, I believe, is uh, fully emotionally and mentally embracing your situation. And that's easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but once you do that, then you can start creating sort of the, the new normal for yourself. Right. And that, that's what we, we both promote very strongly. That, and, and it's been an adjustment for me, as Nancy knows. I mean, I have a a pretty standard exercise routine I encourage, but I'm learning to back off my, my spirited approach <laughs> and adjust based on what people need and can do. And I find myself going through the same struggles as well. Yeah. And, and I think for exercise with folks that are dealing with a variety of cancers, I mean, that's my biggest adjustment as a personal trainer, looking at what works and whatever that is help them do it as opposed to a prescribed framework of this is what you do, this is when you do it, and this is how you do it. Right. So it's a very significant change. So Nancy, I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what you started talking about, which is just this notion of getting up and moving and how important and maybe even counterintuitive it is that when you're feeling fatigued that exercise can actually help when you're going through chemo. Great. Yeah, there has been a lot of really great research in the last you know, probably 10 to 15 years focusing on this because fatigue is, you know, by and large the biggest symptom mm -hmm. that most, you know, across the board, you know, no matter the diagnosis or the, you know, therapies, fatigue is definitely an issue. And as you said, it seems completely counterintuitive when you're tired 
to go out for a walk. But I mean, we've really found in some great research that moving can really help. And it's going to be different for everybody. Maybe for somebody it is just going to the bathroom upstairs instead of the one downstairs or doing you know, a lap around the living room or out to the mailbox and back. Maybe for somebody that's enough. Somebody else, maybe it's a couple of blocks. So it's kind of figuring out the dose part there. But we're really starting to find that the more sedentary people are, just makes things harder. And the exciting part is even here at Dana-Farber, we're starting to sort of roll out an initiative to get the nurses involved in asking people mm -hmm. what sort of fatigue are they having and trying to promote exercise. Again, you know, we're just talking about you know, moving more. You know, so maybe for some people it's getting a Fitbit or using the pedometer app on their phone and keeping an eye and setting a goal and saying to themselves, okay, you know, normally I get 1,000 steps in a day. Tomorrow my goal is going to be 1,200 steps. You know, trying to have baby, you know, little goals each week and then having the nurses kind of be checking in when they can. How's the exercise going? How are you feeling? And trying to kind of get, maybe even get ahead of some of this fatigue because that's definitely, you know, certainly easier to stay ahead of it than, mm -hmm. um, but, but even once, you know, fatigue hits really, you know, high levels, little bits of movement can make a really big difference. Yeah. I, I would absolutely agree. Uh, I, I find now, we haven't talked about this, but I find now what I've been able to do is consciously uh, develop a different stimulus response to fatigue. Mm. And what I now do is when I feel fatigued, that's my clue to get up and walk. So I, I, I'm looking at it differently than I did before. And, what, and Nancy's absolutely right, you know, fatigue is a part of the whole recovery process and perhaps the rest of your life to, some, to a great extent. And what complicates it, in your, uh, in your late 60s, early 70s, there's an aging fatigue factor involved. And so to differentiate what is what is a little confusing, yes. you know. So, but in either case, getting up and walking around takes the edge off of it and gives you more energy so you can do more activity. So I would encourage people, once they get it, that's the clue, get up and do a little walking like Nancy mentioned to yeah. take the edge off of it. I'm, I'm five years out of, out of treatment, so I'm, I'm well past any kind of fatigue issues and any yeah. fatigue I feel now is attributed to my kids or lack of sleep or anything <laughs> like that. But being able to get over, <laughs> overcome the inertia right. to get up off the right. couch and get outside and right. once you get those first steps moving, I will find that you know, I was tired before I went for a run, and now I'm not as tired. Yes, it's and rather uh, paradoxical. Isn't it, it is, <laughs> but it's a great, a, a great point. Yeah. I, w I wonder if you guys could talk a little bit about the mental benefits of, of exercising, because I always use it, for me, it's a barometer of how mm. I'm feeling. Mm. Um, at least it, it was when I was going through treatment, and, and I think it's, uh, in some ways it still is. I kinda, it's, it's my check-in of how I'm, how I'm doing and how healthy I yeah. feel. Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, either of you. I do, um, I enjoy exercise. Not everyone does, but <laughs> I, I enjoy <laughs> exercise, which keeps me going. But I do it primarily uh, to help me with my uh, daily activities. You know, that's my primary objective. I mean, I do uh, line dancing a couple times a week, and I don't think I could do that as well if I wasn't exercising as much, you know. Or if I want to do hiking, you know, exercise helps me do that. So I, I, I do the exercise to help my daily activity. And then that just sort of feeds on other things where I, I can keep going. And the thing I get 
uh, I'm, I'm pretty good with strength training and I'm pretty good with aerobic. The area that I need to focus on more is flexibility. I mean, that, the stretching and the yoga, that's, that's the one I don't. But I, I try to make sure that I have some activity uh, within two days of aerobic capacity or strength training or flexibility, something like that. I try to cover all those three, which are the three critical ones in right. any sort of fitness. Yeah, I think, I don't think you're alone. I think there's a lot of people who probably uh, err on the side of aerobics or strength training at the uh, uh, sacrifice of, of flexibility. Right. Um, right. I don't know, Nancy, do you want to talk, uh, talk a little bit about the, the mental benefits and, and emotional Definitely. benefits? Yeah, I think, you know, people can, can look at it a couple different ways. I know for me, if I have a period of time, maybe it's because of an injury or just a particularly busy work day where I need to be in front of the computer a lot and I'm not able to really, you know, abide by my role of like once an hour kind of getting up and, you know, at least according to Fitbit standards, taking 250 steps. So, you know, five minutes of walking. Um, but I, you know, have had previous interns even mention they might come in the room to, to meet me and I've been, you know, stuck in front of the computer all day, maybe on a telecon doing work and, you know, they can tell almost immediately and will say to me, just go, go out, go out for a walk, go walk around the building, <laughs> go, you know, take, an, you know, an extra five minutes and it makes, you know, a huge difference. And the other thing that, that people will say to me is that they find the days that they exercise, they have a lot more patience you know, with their maybe friends or family members, children, coworkers, the days that they exercise, they're not, you know, quite as quick to, you know, maybe jump on someone or, or get, <laughs> you know, frustrated by something that the exercise can really help with the sort of, you know, the mental piece of things to kind of keep their mind sort of calm and, and not so easily. Yeah. I, I'd agree. If my family members were, lis or were listening to this, they would agree 100 percent with that. It's, a, it's an interesting point you make, though, because I find um, that as you were talking, I was thinking, I, I do actually, after I run, I'm more willing to embrace conversation as opposed to pull away from it and, and be more socially isolated. You know, so it does, exercise does, I guess, give me more oxygen, give me more energy, where I'm willing to engage life in that sense. So there is a significant mental change that occurs. Yeah. So you know, maybe a lot of people turn to exercise during treatment because they want to relieve some fatigue or some symptoms. Um, I don't know if you see this, that then when the treatment is over and they sort of, their life is getting back more into a, an even keel, the, the challenge of maintaining that exercise that they started uh, during treatment if they if they were new to exercise and how challenging it is and how important it is to sort of keep it keep it going and not not treat it as a prescription to help your to help your treatment we've got so much data coming out you know finding the importance of staying active certainly you know before diagnosis during treatment and then beyond just being so helpful in dealing with the long-term side effects because we all know the last day of chemotherapy or radiation or whatever it is, it doesn't mean that someone flips a switch and all of a sudden you're, you're you know, you're back to your quote unquote old self and everything's back where it was before. So a lot of times it's a long-term process, kind of we're using exercise to help deal with some of the side effects. I, I would agree and it's a challenge after the six-month treatment. It was a challenge to get back to my routine. But I find that uh, 
and maybe it's my fear of reoccurrence, or I'm not sure what, <laughs> I'm much more consistent now with my exercise than I have ever been before. I, I very seldom miss a session during the week, or if I do, it's a reduced session. Yeah. I, I think, though, for me, what showed the value of it was that I was in pretty good shape when I went in for the operation, and as, as I talked with Nancy about it. I was 69 when I had the, the, the Whipple procedure, which is a pretty devastating operation. And 10 months after the operation, I was hiking the Great Wall of China. Wow. Now that's, that's because of exercise. That's because of fitness. So that probably, to me, was the clearest statement of, John, you need to keep this up. <laughs> this is good <laughs> for you, etc. So I'm a real, uh, um, I, I don't know if I'm quite at the zealous level, but I do be, believe, as Nancy is, is talking about it, that exercise is very, very important to maintain your quality of life. It, there's no guarantees of no recurrence, but there is a guarantee of increasing your quality of life and participation with your family and friends. Yeah. And that alone, I would hope, is significant motivation for folks to do exercise somewhat consistently, whether it be once a week or twice a week or three times a week, so they can retain that quality of participation in their lives. Yeah. When you came out and you were getting back into your exercise, did you struggle to set overly lofty goals, or can you talk a little bit about how you oh, sort yes. of incrementally, <laughs> incrementally got back into it? Well, see, initially it was doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> initially it was, because uh, when I came out, I, I, was, uh, I had lost uh, 20 pounds. Wow. And I was uh, walking with a cane for a couple of days until um, uh, a guy who's in our community who was a chiropractor says, John, get rid of the damn cane. You don't need that. And so I got rid of the cane. But I kept walking, and it was, I think it was really the, the, the uh, physical therapist in the hospital at Brigham and Women said, really, I mean, you can't leave the hospital until you can walk. <laughs> you know? so, and they want you out of bed the day after the operation. Right. So you're doing some walking, etc., which, which was, didn't like it, but it was the right thing to do. And I find that it, it, it really, for me, it was I missed the exercise, so that was the motivator. I eventually, uh, I think it was about two and a half months when I could actually walk three quarters of a mile. And then it was three and a half months when I was on the treadmill for 15 minutes walking. Yeah. And it was six months when I could walk and jog three miles, okay. and eventually two more. So it was a gradual Very process. Gradual, yeah. yeah, it was a gradual process, but I, I kept at it, and I had some pretty good support keeping in it. Yeah, I don't know if you want to add, add to that, Nancy, about the importance of not overreaching in, in those early early days and early weeks and even early months for, for some people as they as they go through this. Definitely, and that's where I think John has you know, shared with me that his son actually purchased him a Fitbit early on in his recovery to kind of right. give him a, an idea, like how much activity am I doing in a given day? And I find that's really helpful for people. It can sometimes be frustrating if they've worn one in the past and all of a sudden this number is much lower than it's ever been. But once they're months out, it's also very nice to look back and remember the days mm -hmm. of only being mm -hmm. at 1,000 steps and then 2,000 steps, you know, so I, you know, advise people to, you know, 
if they have something to measure their activity with to make sure it doesn't increase by you know more than five or ten percent a week particularly as treatment is sort of ending and you're starting to feel better that you're not overdoing you know so trying to to keep track of it you know in a in a mode like that can be really helpful for people because I definitely find that as John mentioned the consistency piece and then not overdoing doing so much activity that then you know, <coughs> you're exhausted so I compare your energy um, to a bank account and we must want to make sure that we don't overdraw that mm. bank account that energy account and so it's taking a lot of things into account it's not just maybe the dedicated quote exercise event of the day mm. but maybe you also you know are back doing the laundry and going up and downstairs with that and maybe it's you know going out with friends and family you know to dinner or a museum or something that you know, normally you wouldn't have ever considered being so fatiguing, but keeping mm -hmm. all those things in mind that are all drawing from that account and, and keeping them in mind. So really looking on a Sunday, what's your week look like? Where can you plug in the exercise and making sure that it's not, you know, occurring on the same day that maybe you need to come into Dana-Farber or you need to, you know, meet a friend and do the grocery shopping, you know, trying to, to really plan it in and build in success. There, there are two things Nancy mentioned that uh, I, I really want to emphasize. One is the Fitbit, which my son gave me for Christmas, which I've never had one. But that was so helpful in doing what Nancy just described as me redefining what my success is for that day. I mean, Fitbit started, what, 10,000 steps per day? Well, I readjusted it to two mm -hmm. and then gradually worked up. So. Again, that's part of creating a new image of who you are and, and, and how you do that. And the other part is the emotional acceptance and adjustment of progress of which the Fitbit offers you. And that was really important for me in particular because I wouldn't think about, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. I can't run my 10 miles today. And, but look at what you're doing. So it, it was a combination of visual feedback which really helped my emotional adjustment. Uh, a, a lot, and would highly recommend that for folks. That's great. I, I just want to um, maybe close with uh, some thoughts. If you could give one piece of advice, or maybe two pieces of advice, to uh, uh, other people in your shoes, John, or or other people who are going through treatment and uh, struggling with the, the the notion of exercise and how to how to make it part of their lives. Okay. I, I would say two pieces of advice. One piece would be take the time and plan out what you need to do that week. That involves an emotional commitment. Okay, so if you plan out Monday I'm gonna do this, Tuesday I'm gonna do this, on a schedule, you look at that and it sort of forces you to think about what you're gonna do. Okay? The second is get something like a Fitbit or a watch that provides you with legitimate feedback on what you're doing. Though if you do those two pieces, I think that's gonna help uh, anyone at least begin that process of having exercise an integral part uh, of their uh, of their life. That's fantastic. Good good advice, but Nancy, how about from you? Okay, I think I also have uh, have two pieces of advice. I guess the first one would be what I call my ten percent rule, which is ten percent mm -hmm. of something right. is better than a hundred percent of nothing. So right. you know, trying to focus every day. Maybe you can't get your usual walk in, but you know, when you did your errands, you parked a little bit further away when you were normally going to go and meet a friend for coffee, you guys walked while you had your coffee. I mean, trying to, you know, look for, for ways to get it in, particularly on the days where maybe a dedicated event can't occur, but you're just being active throughout your day. 
And then I think it's just important to have fun and pick something mm -hmm. that you enjoy. We've talked a lot about yeah. walking and you know, mentioned running and hiking and maybe you know, those, there's nothing special about those modes and if those types of activities don't appeal to you, what does? You know, do you like to dance? So maybe it's mm -hmm. simply turning on music in your apartment and dancing you know, to your own rhythm and, and doing what you want. Maybe it's joining a Zumba class and you know being around other people you know feeding off of that energy you know coming and joining we have you know an array of classes here at Dana Farber we're quite lucky through the Zakem Center everything from you know chair based classes you know with lots of modifications maybe for people with neuropathy that need a more chair based class and then you know we have a lot more advanced classes as well in tai chi and qigong so you know maybe that's a great place to come and exercise but also find a little bit of a support group and have, mm. you know, we're often, mm. spend a lot of time in my exercise class exercising, but a lot of time just laughing and having fun. So I think that's a, a key that, you know, some of us have sort of lost and made exercise a chore instead of finding something that you enjoy. Yeah. So, you know, look around, ask around. There's so many programs, you know, certainly for cancer survivors here at Dana-Farber, but in a lot of YMCA's have Livestrong programs and other you know, facilities have dedicated programs and, and, you know, look for things and find something that, that you're passionate about and enjoy so that you will stick with it. Thanks very much, Nancy. Thank you, John. This has been another episode of Beyond Cancer, a podcast from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. We've been talking about exercise and cancer with John Barrett and Nancy Campbell. You can listen to this podcast on DanaFarber.org slash podcasts. You can also download it on Stitcher or iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast app is. This is Michael Buller. Thanks for listening.